Hello, I'm Peter Silver of the Essex Police Department. I'm the police chief and harbour master for the town of Essex. Today's podcast is a continuation of series of inform- informational podcasts which cover a host of different topics. And it's our hope that members of the public may check out these podcasts and learn not only about the town of Essex, but also about important topics within the police department. The Essex Police Department is focusing on providing information to residents on a variety of topics. And of course, we hope that you'll find this information useful and interesting and that you may educate yourself on important topics. We have started this program. It's the Corey program. It's keep our residents informed. And today's topic of the podcast will be policing in the year 2018 and beyond. We'll discuss issues such as, the, unfortunately, the frequency of fraud. We'll talk about how the officers work to solve crimes in our community. And we'll also talk about how our residents can protect themselves by reducing the opportunity of becoming a victim of a crime. And I have two guests today who know a great deal about the subject matter that we will be discussing. I'm joined today by Detective Ryan Davis and Detective Thomas Shamshack from our department. These two officers essentially see all the inve- oversee all the investigations from within the Essex Police Department. So welcome to you both today. really appreciate both of you being here today. You've both been employees of the town of Essex for a good number of years. How, how long have each of you worked for the... I, I know how long you have, but for the, for the <laughs> listeners, how long have you worked um, for the... Detective Ryan Davis, I've been here 14 years. Uh, 14 years. 14 years. Time flies. Time flies. Um, and I was in Wenham a couple of years prior to that. It's a long time. Uh, Detective Tom Shamshack, I've uh, been here about 12 years. Uh, it's like I started yesterday. Time flies by. Yeah, it does fly by. But this is great having the both of you here today. And uh, we're, we're going to cover a lot of ground today with a lot of the different subjects and so forth. But I know that many of our officers have really had a host of training through the years. It's something we really focus on. And as you know, and as I know, our department has been very progressive <coughs> and we're taking a very strong approach with regard to training and education something that's necessary and it's something that makes us better out on the street and when we deal with people. So I also know that our training and experience certainly helps when we're providing services to residents and essentially to our business community as well. So can we just take a minute to talk about some of the specialty training that both of you have had? I know that you've both had a lot of training in a lot of different areas, but just to, so the listeners can kind of get sure. a feel. Yeah, we've both been to countless trainings over the years. Um, you know, everything from crime scene uh, investigation from f- collecting fingerprints, collecting evidence at a crime scene. Uh, we're both certified sexual assault investigators. Uh, we both do backgrounds for new employment. Uh, we, you know, look into the background of candidates that we're looking to hire for the department and just make sure that there isn't anything that would prohibit them from being a police officer. Which is very important these days. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You want to make sure you have a good candidate. Right. Um, I'm also SWAT certified. Uh, I was a SWAT team team leader for a number of years on the Cape Ann regional SWAT team. And Tom and I, we've also done uh, quite a bit of training on open source information, social media, and incorporating that into our investigations as well. And uh, just to build upon uh, what Ryan said we have for training, uh, Back in 2009, I was appointed the lead field training officer for the department, so I've had uh, several classes such as patrol procedures, use of force investigator, uh, field sobriety instruction, uh, and all of that ties into criminal investigations in the broader sense. Uh, something as simple as a traffic accident, well, you're going to have to go backwards and look at your basic accident recon, you know, were they intoxicated, and build off of uh, all of your observations to form 
your investigation. So, yeah, it's amazing how the the training we put it to practice, and and I mean I've been doing this a long time, and you guys have as well. But certainly these um, these trainings and the education, the experience that we get from every day out on the street and in dealing with these things, all of these bits of training really come into to play. So you know it, it's interesting that our training as police officers really has changed so much through the years. It probably goes without saying, but to me, I think that it's quite obvious that basically as a, as a society's changes, um, as a society changes, really there's a shift towards us in law enforcement as far as how we do business, maybe how we speak to the public, how we interact with people on a daily basis. I mean, wouldn't you agree that the contemporary policing really is alive and well and essentially how we do our, how we go about our business every single day there as we continue to serve the community? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as police officers, we need to stay current in uh, different trends uh, of crime, you know, stay current with the technology and how everything's evolving in today's society. Right. So from both of your perspective, I mean, what, what changes have you both seen? For example, when you first became police officers to maybe perhaps what you see today with respect to the nature calls or maybe how we, how we even something as benign and simple as how we respond to calls. I'd say the biggest thing I've noticed is everybody has a cell phone, and that's a good thing because people are able to report crime much sooner and uh, real-time. Uh, specifically, I'd say the biggest increase I've noticed since I've worked for the town is erratic operators. Uh, people that, that Route 133 to 1A, that's a long stretch, and people get frustrated. They pass cars, they speed, they slow down, they block people, and people call it in and then they also videotape the operators as they're committing these offenses so that definitely helps us uh, track down the offending vehicles. Yeah, that's a great point and I know I mean the frequency of not only the fraud which we'll be speaking about the, uh, this afternoon here but also um, with erratic operators. I mean we get calls on such a regular basis. It's almost daily I would say. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I mean I'm just thinking back just a short while ago when we had an erratic operator call which came in from Gloucester, a uh, vehicle coming into town for the Gloucester way and I think uh, that's one of the cases that I recognize you for life-saving for. Yep. Somebody was actually overdosing while they were driving and the person pulled over at the Richdale and you know so these these types of things are something that we're seeing really on a, on a almost on a daily basis here. So yeah. Tom's hit that one right on the head with right. cell phones. I mean, he's talking about the good ports of having the cell phone, but it's we're also seeing a lot more texting and driving, and mm. that's part of the cause of those erratic operator calls. Yeah, the distracted uh, driving. Yeah, everybody's right. distracted. and You know, one of the things that I've really noticed change since I started was, you know, back in the academy, they would always teach us about officer safety and being aware of your surroundings and everything, but, you know, you go to a simple call now, and it's always in the back of our mind to be, extra vigilant, you know, everything that's going on with police officers being hurt around us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd always hear about it in the United States is happening, but it, it seems like it's happening with more frequently in Massachusetts than it ever did when we were younger officers. I would absolutely agree with that, too. Um, and, you know, what you spoke, both of you spoke about, like, the technology, and it's something which we certainly have seen so many improvements and advancements through the years with regard to police work, but maybe we can talk for a minute about the advancements that maybe you've seen, which um, maybe they essentially help us in law enforcement to protect the residents or even possibly to, to solve cases that we've had in town here. Sure. Um, I think the biggest thing is we have all sorts of different databases available to us now. Um, you can pretty much find anything about anybody online nowadays. Uh, there's 
search engines, uh, what's it called, Tom? Uh, LP Police. L LP Police. LP Police is one of the ones that we use, and that compiles a whole variety of databases into one search engine that's available to law enforcement. So it helps us with getting cell phone numbers, um, associates, family members, old addresses, and that, that's really been a big help in investigations. Well, we need the tools, and I mean, you, you, the two of you do an excellent job um, every time we need it in the department and somebody from the community, whether it be the residents or the business community. So we really need, talking about the tools that are, that are necessary for us doing our job, it's, it's, this is why I'm really liking the ability to do the podcast, to share this information with people and, and try to help them protect themselves. So, um, we'll, you know, we'll cover some of these things here and I, I hope we'll have some hopeful information for listeners on this. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's absolutely amazing and by the same fashion, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very sad that the frequency of the reporting of, say, for example, fraud calls that our department has received in the past couple of years. You know, I was so incensed from how many people in town, in Essex, were reporting incidents of fraud and, and not only reporting it, but actually paying money to the scammers that I ended up drafting a very specific, it was just a simple read of information that our department mailed out to every single homeowner. We mailed it to every single business owner in Essex. And essentially the information just contained everything from, you know, exactly what is fraud? How do you prevent exposure to it? You know, what do you do when you're faced with, uh, for example, a caller on the line who you, you just know, you listen to your inside, you know, mind telling you that there's something just not right about the person. And what, what do you do if you, if you do become the victim of a fraud? And, you know, we have well-educated, um, well, essentially we, we educated the residents about how many different kinds of fraud. We gave examples. We gave count, countless incidents that we've seen in Essex, and you know, I, we, when we do these types of programs and these these um, things to help our community, uh, you, you want to make, make sure that you, uh, take a measure of these things. Are they working well? Are they not working well? And I know that this really worked very well, and the success of it was was strong because um, the after sending the information out, I received some excellent feedback from some of the residents and and you know thanking us for for getting this information out to them and it was interesting that they just really didn't even realize that it was such a problem that it was and what I find amazing is that when we've utilized social media we've utilized the newspaper to get the word out to warn everybody about <clears throat> excuse me not only phone but email and mail all, mail fraud I've seen where people actually they've even dismissed it and they don't even believe that people are actually paying huge amounts of money to these unscrupulous they're very cunning, smooth-talking criminals who have an answer for everything when they're on the other end of the phone. And, you know, there seems to be a strong sentiment of who actually would be that foolish to pay a fraudulent bill or an alleged debt with a gift card or even believe that anything that the, the, the scammer tells you to begin with. So people have reported that scammers convinced them that they owe money and uh, that they say that you owe money and all of us at this table can attest that we've had a number of cases where the residents and sometimes the businesses pay unbelievable amounts of money you know to these bogus criminals and illegitimate sources so it's disgusting that some of these amounts have been in the many thousands of dollars and that's just so unfortunate and that does hit home and it's it's uh, wants us to make a do our job as best we can to prevent this so would you share with the listeners maybe some of the information uh, maybe the types of scams that you see today and perhaps tell the listeners uh, how are these scams working what, what are they doing when you're saying when they're hearing me talk about the scams or they're hearing you two talk about the the scams what what types of things are you seeing 
I'd say the, the biggest scam that we've encountered is any type of scam related to gift cards. I have a stack of uh, iTunes gift cards, Target mm. gift cards, prepaid Visa cards, pretty much any type of card that you can go and buy. Uh, unfortunately, residents have been scammed by this, and we're talking upwards of $20,000 at a time. And it, shame on the retailers for allowing these elderly residents and people to continuously go back and buy. You'd think that that would set yeah, off I would agree. Uh, in somebody's mind, why is this you know, person buying uh, so many gift cards? And um, a few times retailers have said something, but unfortunately the, the bigger sums of money that we've seen paid out, people have not. But uh, one of the more common scams related to the gift cards is uh, ransomware on the computer. We have people, they'll click on an email, and then they'll get a, vi uh, a, a fake virus scan, and then they the scammer will lock down the computer, and that transpires into, oh, you can pay this amount, and we'll uh, basically release your computer back to you. Um, then, okay, your gift card didn't go through. Can you give us your account number for your checking account? Oh, okay, they give the checking account, and then they have access to the checking account. And it just spirals from there, and before you know it, these people are out literally thousands of dollars. And we've seen that. I mean, that that's oh, the, the have, frightening yeah, thing. We've had Unfortunately, a lot of incidents like that. Sure, and it's un it's so unfortunate. I, I can think of many times where we've had you know, very educated, very smart people from our community that uh, have come in to see me and say, I, you know, I, I, Peter, I have to tell you, it's just, it, I thought it was a scam, but I just wasn't sure. They were so convincing. Yeah, that everybody gets nervous when they hear the, the IRS is calling. The IRS, you, that's right. You owe back taxes, and if, sure. if you don't pay this amount today, the Essex the police, police are going to come arrest, arrest you. you. Right, yeah. So it's easy for people to say, I would never fall for that, until it's the IRS on the other end of the phone, supposedly, and then everybody's, you know, intuition goes out the window, and they that's end up right. falling for it. Right, and you know, it's... Um, it's interesting because the the gift cards. I mean, we see that a lot. And who? I mean, nobody. Who pays bills with gift cards? You know, you go to Macy's, then you buy something at Macy's, but you don't pay your electric bill. You don't pay right. fines. Yeah, that should be your first. It red should flag. be a red flag. Yeah. That's right, jumping right out at you. But can you just tell the listeners um, with these gift cards? Because I know I've had people say, well, "I don't, I don't get it. What's what is it with the gift cards?" Tell them how creative and crafty this is that people are using what they use the gift cards for. Uh, it happens so fast. Yeah. So. For example, say you go and get iTunes gift cards. They won't actually take receipt of the physical gift card that you buy. They want you to scratch off that area on the back of the card and give them the numbers over the phone. Over the phone. That's and it's right. almost instantaneously at that point that while they're on the phone with you getting the other card numbers, somebody else is draining those. So and it, once the money's gone? Once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Right. It's so important for people not to wait. You know, if you realize that this happened to you and oh no I, I shouldn't have paid that in the gift card you know we can work with the retailers to possibly put a stop on that but you need to do it almost immediately right so. and I, you know I've seen I'm sure you two have seen as well but um, when somebody becomes the victim of fraud there's an embarrassment to it there's a uh, geez I should have known better you know type of mentality and, and that's but like you say once that money is gone yep. The success of getting it back is highly unlikely. Yeah, especially with the gift cards. And unfortunately, sometimes it, it takes two or three times of them getting scammed until That's a relative right. might notice, hey, uh, mom, where's your retirement money? Oh, I, you know, th this person had my computer. And then it's the, the victim's 
uh, son or daughter that comes in and reports it, and by that time it's, you know, weeks have passed, and it's just too late for us to try and get that money back. Right. And it certainly isn't for a lack of trying, because I know you guys work very hard at this, and, you know, we've had many, many successful uh, crime solved due to the great work of the, of the two of you. So, so let's drill through this. So if somebody is out there and is a listener uh, listening to this podcast, and let's say that they have an elderly family member or friend, they get a phone call from somebody who's saying that they, uh, hypothetically, they owe money, and they're told that if they fail to uh, pay this fine or pay these fees or whatnot, they're going to lose their house, or most commonly, like you said, Detective Davis, uh, they'll be arrested by the local cops. I mean, I got one of these calls. You're going to be arrested by the local cops. Well, that's great. Um, tell them I'm at 24 Martin Street in Essex. <laughs> so if they don't pay, you know. So the dead giveaway, again, which we've already keyed in on, is uh, every single listener is... Uh, any debts or payments is offered requested to be, as we said, with, to be made with gift cards. So it's completely bogus. If they hear the gift card thing, wouldn't you agree that, that that's just a yeah, triggering? Yeah, absolutely. No legitimate national, whether it's National Grid or the IRS or anybody is going to request payment via gift card. Right, right. Great advice. Biggest thing they can do is just hang up. And if they do think or if, if they do hear, oh, we're National Grid with the IRS, Hang up. Don't ask them for a phone number. Well, can I call you back? And then they're going to give you a phone number. Don't trust their caller ID because you are able to spoof a number. Uh, so, you know, I could call you from my cell phone, but I could have it appear that I'm calling from, you know, National Grid Payment Headquarters. Don't fall for that. Hang up. Call National Grid on a number that you see on one of your own paper bills or look it up online and, and then ask a representative that way. Don't ask for any telephone numbers or supervisors from them. Right. I think in the list, that's a Perfect point, because, um, you know, if people are, again, I mentioned that they're very cunning on the phone and they're very believable, and as people have reported to us. So the less conversation, the better. That's great advice. Hang up on them. But any advice if the listeners, um, if they find themselves in this situation, what would you suggest that they do? I think you've said hang up. and uh, if, if they get to the point where they've given any personal information, uh, you need to be proactive, and, and by that you need to contact your local financial institution, uh, let them know that you believe there may be a breach. They can close out your accounts, transfer what money you do have into a, a new safe, secure account. Um, you can go online, ju just go to Google and type in uh, Federal Trade Commission um, or any type of I've been the victim of fraud. There's several things you can do with the credit bureaus. You can file uh, what's known as a fraud alert on your credit report. You can also do a credit freeze and then in general, you need to check your, your, your own credit history several times um, to make sure that you know what's on your credit history and that people aren't actually using your information uh, to benefit themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's a great website. It's, uh, it's actually identitytheft.gov, and that's Excellent. the Federal Trade Commission website. It has great information on there that can help people if they've been a victim of identity theft or fraud. What was the site again? It's identitytheft.gov. Identitytheft.gov. Yeah. That's a, the government website for the Federal Trade Commission. Well, again, it just goes to show you, again, the, the most common, as we're talking about these gift cards and scratching off the security code, and I have to tell you, um, we have had so many, as you said, when you had that stack and you showed me, I mean, thousands of dollars. And I agree with what you're saying as well, that, uh, you know, people are, are going out, they're getting the gift cards, they don't want to be, quote, arrested or lose their house. Or, 
it's not the normal way of doing business, but they should early reporting, I think, is most important. And if you do have a senior family member or a family member that um, you're concerned about um, maybe giving out information or whatnot, then maybe you know look into options of taking over their, their bills and so forth. Because as you said, which is a fantastic point, the, the caller ID does not work. You can use the spoof, and I've had a lot of people come in and say, I have the number right here, you can go after them. So we know that that doesn't work, and most times, or I should say many times, they're out of, even out of the country. So. Um, so fraud's not only the issue that we want the public to be cognizant about. Um, since we're talking about protecting yourselves, maybe you could give the listeners maybe some helpful tips about maybe home protection or even personal protection. These are things that are on people's minds. These are things, other types of things besides fraud that we're dealing with. Um, what could you share with the listeners about those? I'd say the, the more commonsensical things such as lock your doors, this is Essex, and we are on the map. It's not, uh, you know, 1980 anymore where you can just leave your, your house unlocked. Right. Uh, people have come into town. They shake doors. Make sure your cars are locked. Don't leave, you know, generators, pressure washers, anything of value in your yard. If, um, if, it's, if it's within sight, it's, it's an opportunity for a criminal to grab that, and you become the victim of a theft. Yeah. Absolutely. And use the technology. You know, uh, cameras on your house, those mm -hmm. are great. Get an alarm system. It's a little extra money every month, but you know it's it's a great addition to give you that peace of mind when you're not home or motion lights. Yeah. Um, you're always going to have that one neighbor that gets annoyed that the lights turning on, but you know when it's three in the morning and so, they were up right. and they hey the light popped on and then there was a report of a crime and then your other neighbor happened to have a camera on their garage and then we can see a car driving away. That's how that's true community policing is when the neighbors come together and we can tie it all in to get some leads on somebody that was a victim of theft. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, and I, I like the idea also about the motion lights, and, and I would rather have, you know, when, it, when we talk about home security things, and, and I mean, here we are talking about technology that, that we're utilizing, but certainly homeowners have a, a variety of things that they can utilize. Um, there's, as you said, camera apps, there's um, alarm systems, if they have foliage covering their, you know, entranceways or windows and so forth. Those are things that they might want to be cognizant of. I'd rather get the phone call that, you know, there's a light that went on in so-and-so's backyard. I would rather check that out and find out that it was a raccoon or some animal or, or it might even be a perpetrator yeah. looking to, to try to get into their home. Watch out for your neighbors. You know, go to the old thing. If you see something, say something. Right. But don't wait. You know, right. we count how many times have we had the call where, you know, somebody breaks into a house during the day and they come home, people come home and find it that evening. We go talk to the neighbors. Oh, yeah, I saw somebody sure, there. Sure, that happens a lot. Well, why didn't you call us? You know that. <laughs> or, or people that, oh, yeah, we heard uh, it sounded like a window smash. And then, well, we didn't say anything. And the next day, the, the neighbor discovers, oh, somebody broke into my garage. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're hearing breaking glass at 2 in the morning, call the police. Please. And call soon. That's a, that's, right. that's, uh, yeah, don't wait. Yeah, because I find people do, and I think you guys do as well. So um, how about maybe some suggestions about personal protection? I mean, we've talked about home protection and so forth. Uh, any advice for any personal protection matters? That would say help? the biggest thing is, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. Um, like we just said, if you see something, say something, but be aware of who's around you. You know, if you're out walking at night, be aware of if there's somebody walking behind you or um, hear a noise or something like that. Just, you know, walk in groups. Just be aware. Always have a cell phone on you, flashlight. Um, something as simple as even if you don't have a, a phone on you, make it look like you are on a phone. If you walk into uh, a parking garage, 
and you think that somebody might be following you, stop talking on your phone. Oh yeah, I'm walking up here. I'll be home in a minute. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it, it's again, it's it's small little subtle things. I think people get complacent, and uh, in our business, we're always looking. We sit in a certain place in a in a restaurant. We're looking towards the door. But I think it is healthy to to encourage listeners to think about these things. In, in locking your car, I mean, I mean, we have people every year and in, in, uh, in town who they're leaving their laptop in the car, they're leaving the keys on their visor, they're, yep. you know, an envelope of money. That's a common one. Sure. Well, we went to the bank yesterday. Sure. I had two thousand dollars in an envelope. Why would you leave that in your car? Yeah, you know, it's it's just amazing. Simple things may discourage people. Um, from committing crimes and um, you know it's it's our job to, to try to educate them like we're doing here today but um, we've all talked about some great things here any other thoughts on on the topics that we've talked about today yeah, I think we'll cover a cover a broad yeah broad area here today so I mean we've covered a lot of ground absolutely if anybody has any questions feel free to reach out to us you know, we're always available to talk and stop in the station you can meet us excellent what number great. would the for the listeners what number would they they call to reach reach you uh the main line to the department uh 978-768-6200 if you want to speak to a detective you can ask for one of us sure detective davis or shamshack excellent i mean so we've covered again we've covered a lot of ground for the listeners and i'd like to say as you know just as a reminder please be vigilant with respect to not giving out any of your personal information over the phone don't give it out through through mail. Don't give it out in person. You know, fraud starts most commonly by phone scams. And this is probably, again, one of the most common frauds that we're, we're seeing almost on a daily basis. So if you happen to get these calls, take the detective's advice. You know, hang up, report it to the police as soon as possible. And if they call back, hang up again. Don't answer your phone. And never, ever, please, the listeners, never provide any of your banking information, your personal information, uh, any of those, your date of birth, any of your medical history, you know, even if the caller claims to be from your banking institution. So think about this. If the bank is calling, this is one of them, just referring to one of the cases that we had. If your bank is calling you and they want to confirm your personal information, if they don't know your personal information, wouldn't you think that the bank would already have that? They would already have that. Probably telegraphing out that this is doesn't sound right and it's probably a, a situation of fraud. Tell them you're busy. Hang up the phone. If you don't want to be rude, which I would prefer you hang up the phone, but um, you can call them back. Tell them you're, you're busy, tied up, and you can call the bank back and confirm that, that it was them that, that uh, had called in the first place. So I'd like to personally thank Detective Davis and Detective Shamshack for participating in the podcast today. And you know, I really believe that the information that you shared with us today is going to be helpful to everybody listening today because these are important things and you've I think you've certainly stimulated the discussion and, and how people are thinking and how we're thinking about how we're providing the service that we are to the community. So thank you both for that. And I especially want to thank Becky today and her entire staff here at 1623 Studios in Gloucester, Mass., for helping us make the podcast possible and for providing this, providing this wonderful media source to help us provide information to you, the listeners. So in closing, I'd like to say that it's my hope that the listeners of the podcast have enjoyed the Corey program. Remember, it's keeping our residents informed. Um, and remember, in the event of any emergency, please dial 911. I'm Chief Peter Silva. On behalf of our entire staff at the Essex Police Department, thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you.